Hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we review and discuss movies, trailers, TV shows, and everything else pop culture. In today's double feature conversation, we'll be sharing our thoughts on the second season of Disney Plus's Loki, as well as the recently released MCU film, The Marvels. My name is Emmett, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and Comic-Con's most wanted man, Ivan. I love Comic-Con. Comic-Con loves me. I love the free promo that I give to Comic-Con here to our six viewers. <laughs> also, I, I, we, I haven't do... talked, we haven't talked for an entire Loki season, Ivan. I know. Plus, like, <laughs> in the, there was an Ahsoka episode there, right? Wasn't there? No, 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 no. I lie. No, we finished. Yeah, we, we did. We did. Okay. That was so long ago. I know. <laughs> we were so, so much younger. <laughs> Things were still different just a couple weeks ago. <laughs> but I don't think we got to hear about Comic-Con, did we? No, it's actually one of the things I put on my wall. Um, Ooh, just get right into wall building it after was... taking six weeks off. <laughs> well, as a Mexican, I love building walls. <laughs> I, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> Listen, um, I had a lot of fun. Uh, I thought this was one of my favorite years. Um, truth be told, experience-wise, this was one of my favorite Comic-Cons. Uh, I got to meet Ewan McGregor day one. Um, for all those curious, he smells like fresh pot of coffee in the morning and fresh pine shavings, you know, and some, a little bit of old spice in there. Mm, that's, that's the human experience. I know, like, <laughs> just giving the audience our, uh, 4D experience here. Just, just, you know, just close your eyes, picture your, there's three people ahead of you. You got your little Funko pop on you and, uh, you're going in and the first thing that hits you is that f- fresh pine shavings smell. And it feels like Christmas. Then you get warm feelings of gingerbread houses and a fresh brew of coffee. And then shake your hand. You shake hands with the legendary man. He signs your Funko Pop. Puts May the Force be with you. Ooh, nice. Um, your sister-in-law accompanies you because somebody needs to because that line was way too big. <laughs> How much she, time did you get with them? I had the. Uh, it was very brief, very transactional. Yeah. I think at most we had maybe like two minutes. And up until that point, I was trying to figure out what I was going to say. And at yeah. the end, just told him I loved his work. And that's Aww. it. That's all I could get out. That's all I could get out. Um, you got start a little starstruck there? I got a bit starstruck, yeah. I mean, it's you. It's Obi-Wan and my, Jesus. My sister-in-law got more words out than I did. because she, really? she, she told him she loves his voice. He wishes he could do more musicals. And he said, me too. Me too. (laughs) I bet he's such a like a genuine sweetheart to everyone who comes in there. He was really nice, honestly. Like I know he had a lot of people, so obviously he wasn't going to be spending a ton of time right per person. Um, but he was really nice. Uh, people like he was signing stuff that technically wasn't allowed to be signed. That's all because they give you like a list of things that you can and can't. Hello there. I know, right? But we, we and he signed doubles for some people. I didn't go prepared for that. I just wanted to have something. And at the end of the, I was like panicking to try to figure out what to have him sign. So I just went with the with a Funko Pop, which is kind of like a little generic. But, um, but yeah, it, it was nice. I I liked it. Um, so oddly enough, I waited in line more to get my signature certified because I already paid for that ridiculous add-on. Um. <laughs> It was like ten bucks extra, but I was waiting in line to get that thing um, certified for three hours. Are you kidding me? No, it was ridiculous. What do they have like, to do? 
Isn't it just like you leave one line to go to the next one? Like, so 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 to get his autograph, it literally we I waited in line for about forty five minutes. So all in all, like not too bad, right? The line was moving pretty yeah. quickly, and that that wasn't too bad. Like, there's been experiences where people wait for hours. But to get that thing certified, so they give you this little sticker basically proving that it's an authentic signature and all that. I thought it'd be a neat thing to have, but I regretted it because, again, I was there for about three hours up until closing. <laughs> yeah, that eats up your whole afternoon. <laughs> yeah, it, th- that was pretty much my day on Thursday, though. Um, but that was that. The, the rest of the experiences, uh, I did get to see uh, Katie Sackoff. I accompanied Sandra to, to get her autograph. Um, and then we... My uh, my brother and my sister-in-law and the kids got a group photo with Katie Sackoff, Bo-Katan, um, on Sunday. Um, in between that, I got to watch a full episode of Monarch, the Apple Plus show coming coming down. Uh, I saw a preview of Percy Jackson. Whoa, um, no spoilers on the... On Monarch? Monarch, that's coming out on Friday. I actually am really hyped about that show, just from watching that first episode. Um but yeah, that I got a preview of Percy Jackson. I got to watch a full episode of Chucky. Got to watch some of the Amazon Prime lineup stuff. Um, I met a ton of comic book artists. Got a little bit of swag from them. Made a few connections. That was really fun. I wish, honestly, and next time I think, if 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 you're down for it, I no. feel like we should. <laughs> It's actually relatively easy to get like <laughs> no. some like interview uh, rights there, so I kind of mm. want to try that next time. I only go for interviewing you and. That's fine. Let's do it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say it with such confidence it'll happen. We'll manifest it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that 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 was good. That's pretty much what I uh pretty much wraps up the the experience. I did get to meet a couple of Mandalorian actors, um, and I got their the the stunt actors, so the ones that actually play physically play the mandalorian so latif uh latif crowder and uh brendan wayne they were both there really nice guys they kind of when i was talking to brendan wayne i was the last one person in line and we talked it up for about 15 minutes which was really really cool because he asked me about my experience working on sets because i just briefly mentioned it um and then he kind of spilled the beans a little bit on on what where season four is um yeah, <laughs> but he was telling me that he had re- read all the scripts at this point, so he's excited for the strike to be over and hopefully they can get to shooting pretty quickly because that's what they've been told. Yeah. So I hope. I all hope right. that's true. But you know. So you got plot details. I did not. No, <laughs> I did not. Just he just that told it, there is in the works. I didn't know what to tell him to go up there, but I was. They had a couple different like lenticular shots for like that he can sign. And one of them was with the with the dark saber. So I was just like, oh, that was a really cool thing. Like, did, were you guys like, like, was it a physical prop? Was it like a rotary thing? And he's like, oh no, it was definitely like it was a light, actual light up saber. He's like, we broke a ton of them. He told me like a couple other details. I was like, I wish you would have kept the weapon for a little bit longer. And he's like, honestly, me too. But stay tuned for season four because I think you might be, you might be in for something. And I was like, oh. And then it kind of divulged into a little bit of like, yeah, the, the scripts are done and all that. So I was like, oh, okay. Dang. I wasn't even probing for anything. I was just like, that was a nice little like, you know, surprise that he was as chatty as he was. Okay, maybe Comic-Con is cool. It's amazing, man. Like some maybe of it I've, is. Maybe all of our fans out there who are making fun of it should stop. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this so listeners. many messages making fun of you. I'm and I apologize for you, Ivan. Oh, thank you. <laughs> on behalf of them. <laughs> it was it was fun though. That that pretty much sums up my experience. It, it, there was a lot of different um things. It's the experience this year I think was really good. Whereas I feel like yeah. last last couple times have just been very spendy on items and all that stuff that I don't really need. So yeah. Have you been uh, getting into any like movies or shows? Um, I have been into a couple, a couple things. Um, not necessarily movies or shows per se, but I did get into, I did catch uh, Spider-Man Two on PS Five after Comic Con. Nice. And slowly, I'm not like I can't grind the video game anymore the way I used to. Like sit down for hours and play it. And this is single story thing, so I can't. You know, yeah. It's, you know, you can only focus for so much, but. Um, according to my PlayStation email thing today, I spent 29 hours to complete the game. Yeah, so your perception is that you can't grind it, but but apparently I <laughs> apparently I can't spend an entire full day doing it. But I so it was a full day spread across the last sure. month or so. Sure, so. sure, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm just saying I feel like I can't, but apparently I can. Yeah, um, I just can't do those games. I I always get so frustrated when it's like. Ooh, I think I have to go over this direction, and I'm like, I I don't know where you want me to go or what you want me to shoot at. It they made it so easy for this uh, for this one. I feel like the last one was definitely a bit hard, and so I was stuck on a few like missions and puzzles and all that. The thing I like about this game is that if you're frustrated at a puzzle, you have the option to just skip it no. like, entirely. So they're figuring out the market of. ADD folks. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we know this guy ain't gonna complete nothing. <laughs> but honestly, man, like the first Spider-Man game I thought was one of the best Spider-Man stories told in any like visual format. Th- this is up there too. I feel like it's just as strong as as the first game, which is hard to to do. Um, but yeah, if and if anybody isn't down to play it and you just want to watch the cutscenes, it's a good time. So I would recommend looking at the compilations, which I'm sure are available somewhere on YouTube. Yeah, I, I was watching a few streamers play it. it. I mean, the stuff they can do with it graphic-wise is just astounding now. I found my apartment building in the game, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> Did you protect it, or did Sandman get it? Oh, no, I, I let Sandman destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, get that insurance money. The you virtual know, insurance. Digital me is happy as heck. <laughs> he saw Spider-Man and got a new house. Yeah, r- right, real me bad. is just overwhelmed by the rent so <laughs> um yeah as far as my stuff i feel like i've been in and out of a lot of different shows uh i don't know if, did i talk about what, rewatching Mad Men last time i might have but for the was, finale of ahsoka i think we did yeah yeah that was, was that took up a lot of time um but the one i just watched was the holdovers in theaters i don't know if you saw the trailer or you actually saw it uh, yourself but I've not seen it yet. It's the uh, Paul Giamatti movie. And I was actually in Boston trying to go to a bookstore uh, that they were filming at on that day. And like the security like stopped me and my siblings of, hey, we're, we're filming a Paul Giamatti movie. You got to you gotta go down the other street. And then to actually see that scene on, on screen was actually really cool. Um, I, I'm not sure it deserves. I think it's got like a 96 Rotten Tomato score. I'm not sure it's that quite that high spectacular. I do think it's a great movie. Um, it's it's a really nice storyline of like 
essentially just like don't judge people before you get to know them kind of a thing. Like Giamatti just plays this like really stuck in his ways, old school teacher, kind of like um Dead Poet Society type yeah. teachers. And like the holdovers is the kids that don't go home for winter break. So he kind of learns to like grow as a as a human and not be so such a, a Grinch. Um, but I thought he was amazing in his role. Um uh, Divine Joy Randolph was also amazing in her role. I, I just it was really good acting, really good storyline. Might have been a little bit longer than it needed to be, but um, it's definitely going to be on the Oscar list. I don't think it will win, but if you're into like getting like seeing that whole ballot list, I bet it's going to be on there. I saw the trailer to it, and it kind of gave me like Robin Williams in the mid '90s type movie vibes um, a bit. Yeah, it, I mean, it's at a boarding school, um, and that they intentionally shot it. I don't know what that camera type is but like whatever that millimeter grain camera is that to make it look a little bit older or like a nine millimeter thing like a scratched up kind of yeah exactly um but no i i I thought it was really good so if you're looking for a movie over the winter break here probably check it out it's still in theaters i'd probably hop on it on friday i feel like i I want a double feature with this hungry games movie coming out Oh yeah, yeah. I did a double a double feature with uh, the Marvels, and I did this did the holdovers first, get like the serious stuff out of the way, and then oh, <laughs> tears of a clown. <laughs> we'll get into that later, though. Um, you want to start off with Loki, season two? Yeah, let's let's start off with um, let's start off with what I think is probably the thing that we have more thoughts on than that yeah. we care more about while we're still passionate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Passionate. yeah let's, let's do it. Let's take it. <laughs> why, why don't you kick things off for us? <laughs> well, I mean, I absolutely love this season. Um, I don't think there was an episode where I, you know, I wasn't hanging on the edge of my seat or that I disliked in any way. Like, the plot is just, it's perfect. The acting's amazing. I wish I, we had, I don't want to get political, but I wish we had some clarity on, like, do we support Jonathan Majors or not? <laughs> um, yeah. That's the only thing that is going to really damper, uh, dampen this show. It's like, you know, House of Cards was amazing, but then Kevin Spacey ruins it, right? Like, it, it's really hard when you have, like, a show clicking on all cylinders. Um, and and it he plays such a vital, like, role in this that they can't just rewrite him. They can't cut scenes shorter or cut them out um that being said he's still like an amazing actor he kills his scenes um and i and i like that you know the mcu is constantly just going how how far can we push the boundaries on what we want to talk about like we want to do you know things in space we want to do things in the multiverse we want to do things with like time travel and it it can get too big for itself sometimes, but I think they handled it really well where they created a set of rules that were very easy to follow and very easy to just say, okay, that makes sense. I'm, I'm playing, I'll play along with that. Um, I think oftentimes that th- those rules are either too dramatic, too exaggerated, or they don't you know, follow it 100% all the way through. I agree. Time travel stories are always so tricky too, right? Because I feel like most of the time they don't really land the, you know, hit the mark. Um, on the Jonathan Major situation, I I agree too because I feel like from a 
just from knowing Hollywood and having, you know, kind of a little bit of experience with the behind the scenes stuff, like I have to think, and it feels, I can't help but feel like this is the case that the ending of the show facilitates a way for them to address either way, like go one way, like full on Jonathan Major slash Kang, or maybe we drop it, you know, it, 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 this this show felt really really solid for me, and I think it was a, it was a good continuation of season one. Um, to be honest, it's the thing that I feel like kind of brought me a little bit back into the MCU hype fold a little bit. Like I wasn't waiting yeah. at the edge of my seat each and every week, right? But I was looking forward to each episode, and I don't think there was yeah. an episode that dropped the ball for me here. Um, I have my nitpicks. There's a couple of things that I wish got addressed a little bit more um that being said i feel like they did a really good job addressing a lot of that i think at the end of the show or the end of the season supposedly there's no more seasons after this but um and i can kind of see that i I feel like that that would be the case but it's marvel so i don't put it past them to not do more um but i think at the end of this loki is probably one of a handful of really well fleshed out characters within the mcu and I just love the trajectory that we've been on. It's been consistent. It's been it's been well done. The narrative works well. Um, and the other side note on this too, the way that they play around with characters, give them their own space and all that, like f- folks like Mobius, like Ob, I was so excited to see uh, Kiwi Kwan in here getting more work. You know, as he should. He, he definitely got a lot of recognition after his Oscar win, but. I, you know, I think they play with all these toys so well. So it took somebody who was a very selfish character to being like probably one of the most selfless, doing some of the most selfless things in this universe. So I like the way that they told the story. I like the way that they implemented everything. Um, I have a few nitpicks and we could get into that after we go into more spoilery stuff, but. I liked it overall. Yeah, I think the character arc thing that you're talking about is is so true. I, I don't there are there's it's probably just a handful of characters in the MCU that have had a full arc and, and transformation. And it's so easy it, it that list isn't longer because it's so easy just to steer into let's just beef them up, get them on a protein diet, work out and we'll just do a shirtless scene and that's what we'll make this movie about like we'll have one of those and I have a ton of action and they forget to do writing and the the sad thing is a lot of these characters have really strong actors and actresses behind them that all you have to do is give them you know a decently written scene and let them go like tom hiddleston is a great actor put him in situations where he can express a wide range of emotions of you know very you know tear-jerking moments of watching his mom die or watching his future variant self die or losing his brother, but then have him have these like powerful fight moments and then have him have these moments of love with Sylvie. It's like he got to do a little bit of everything within and I and I'm going back to like season one, but he got to do a little bit of everything in this show so far. He's a he's like classically Shakespearean trained actor. And I feel like, yeah, this is one of those things where like you're right, like give giving them a good foundation and the story with a good actor. You set it off well. And th- that's the thing. Like, I feel like that's what the MCU was so good at in the beginning. And so to see it kind of here, it's like you can definitely hit home runs still. Like, this isn't 
and the the the, the good thing about this, I was talking to one of my friends about this earlier this week, but Loki does something that I feel like the MCU did before, but kind of shied away from it and stuck to a formula after, which was the superhero element of it is not even secondary. It's kind of just the background. It's not a it, it becomes a personal story with the super heroics as the backdrop of it. And I think that's when this universe does really, really well, because it, it pulls you in because of the spectacle. But that's not the substance of it. And like when it's all spectacle, that's when people start to dial dial out because like how different is this from like Blue Beetle or some of the other stuff that we've seen over the last year? And so this felt very personal, very, very raw. And I feel like that's the that's what's been missing, I think, for some of these MCU projects. Yeah, and even like the the supporting cast in this show got to have you know bigger character arcs than a lot of characters in movies or or in trilogies and stuff like that like b15 hunter b15 like had a full arc of redemption that a lot of supporting cast in other movies don't get don't get that um that luxury there yeah i feel like getting into the spoiler territory here with things but yeah let's do it for like starting with mobius with Owen Wilson's character, right? Like we finally got exactly what, who he was a variant of, like what his backstory kind of is. We didn't figure out certain things, which was my nitpick here. It's like, I wish we could have seen what each of their sins, right? was, or like what, what got them to be their, their like nexus event, I guess. Nexus or... event. It's not a sin, Ivan. Oh, well, don't bring religion into this. <laughs> which one of the original sins? <laughs> Leave it for church. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree that, I would have liked to see why each of them got picked for the TVA. Um, but it was, it was nice to see them flesh out exactly what it was. And, and that, there was that line in the beginning, I think the first or second episode where Loki's telling him, like, why don't you want to know? Like, don't you want to know what the bad that you got, that you left behind was? And it's like, it's not the bad, it's the good. Like, what if it was a really good life and I can't go back to it? And that's exactly what basically ended up being for him with his, you know, having, playing the lonely single father card. Was it a good life though? Well no, I mean like it wasn't necessarily like a good life, but like he left something of worth behind. You know, was it's it like... of worth? <laughs> I mean he's got kids. I couldn't sell couldn't sell a, a, a what are those called? Speedboats? It's true. He wasn't much of a salesman. Jet ski. Yeah. Jet ski, yeah. <laughs> he was such a good salesman. It's just like nobody wants to buy that. Well, you know, maybe if he was in Florida, it'd be different. Yeah. Do people buy jet skis in Florida? Is that a thing? Rich people probably. Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> Can't did relate. You, did you hear the like interesting fan theory that he might be an Odin variant? Oh, um, Mobius? No, I've, yeah. I've, this is news to me. It's like it's got such a weak foundation to it. It's like he has two sons, and one the older one is like wiser and wears red. And then the younger one is mischievous and wears green. And then, like, the kids were wearing similar colors. It's such a weak theory, but it's also, like, that'd be pretty funny if they, like, worked that into it. I did not even notice any of those details. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To me, both his kids were kind of wild. But... Yeah. Well, he had the older son, like, go wrangle the younger son when he ran away. So, I mean, it, it's it's has no substance into the plot, but uh, I'm sure someone saw some merit somewhere. <laughs> I, I think Owen was, was crushing it this season. I think he's that 
that rock that they can rely on that they had in season one of we have a high caliber actor that doesn't have to steal the scene, but can just kind of help, you know, move the ball forward and then let Loki punch it in. Yeah. B-15 got a beefed up role this season, too. Yeah. How do you feel about her character? I, I, I think it's so closely tied to the idea of like we can't prune anything while watching the idea of not pruning just absolutely destroy everything it's like maybe you could prune some things it felt very idealist right yeah and and i think the same way is um i think she's a great actress i'm not saying that i'm saying the the character that they developed of constantly guys this is the moral victory we have to take it's like yeah but everything's gonna shut down if you don't do anything about it yeah and i think that that's what the struggle was with it like sylvie also i feel like Sylvie is Sylvie from the first season too. Like it's she's still a little bit frustrating because of that same like lack of understanding or accepting that yeah, it's just like absolute vision of everything must go. Yeah, well, although if, if everything goes, then you have nothing. Sylvie kind of took a back seat this season too. Like for right because she wasn't quite as important to the plot as I think just cuz it's like she's showing that she's doing exactly what she set out for of I'm going to kill the, the timekeepers and whoever's above them. And then I'm going to go settle in on the timeline. And yeah, like she's very steadfast in that. And if they wanted to show more of her at McDonald's, it would have been kind of bad use of airtime. <laughs> I wonder how much McDonald's paid to have their like logo and all that on there like that's kind of the the advertiser in me is just curious about i don't know but it made me it made me hungry watching i'll confess i ordered a big mac for that first episode (laughs) if sylvie if it's good enough for sylvie it's good enough for me hey yeah you know what i thought though like a little off track but the kid that she was working with i thought that was going to be a variant of mobius or like that was young mobius now um, you're building your own theories, and I love it. <laughs> I just that that, that kind of came to me like when I was watching the episode. I was like, he kind of looks a little bit like a young Owen no. Wilson. I think it's just the irony of like she's lived forever in these uh, catastrophes or whatever. Yeah. Um, and now she's just taking orders from like a 16 year old kid. <laughs> yeah, who's obsessed with her to, to a certain degree, clearly. Because he's got this like thing for her, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think that. I thought he was like weirded out by her. No, he has his eyes on her. He 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 got that southern charm to him. <laughs> Why wouldn't he <laughs> let her drive her home or drive him home? Because mom's coming to pick him up. <laughs> oh, mom, mom's coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I, that's what I thought. But what about some of the new characters or or some of the characters that were from season one that? Um, Got a little bit more airtime. I'm thinking OB is new. Casey was was in season one, but not really utilized. All he was in season one was the guy who, you know, dropped the bomb about the Infinity Stones. Yeah, he wasn't utilized all that much here either. Although, you know, obviously he was kind of given a bit of a role, but he, I think he was like the like at the bottom of the totem pole in supporting cast. OB and Victor Timely were the two that I grew to really grow fond of this season in a short time um ob again a little biased but like i i just love seeing kiwi kwan back back on the screen kind of playing something and i like that they're giving him different kind of things to to play with across his roles um but 
I thought he was a really neat addition to this cast. And he's just such a he's got something about him. Like that that guy in any role he's in, he kinda like he's like that person that like will walk into a room and you immediately know you want to be friends with this person because they seem so genuine. Um and that's the type of characters that he that he plays. So I really, really liked him. I really liked that he's basically the 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 center of understanding and knowledge for physics and stuff for Loki and yeah. for the TVA, essentially. Um, Victor Timely, I felt so bad for, even though you know he's a variant of this like really evil person. But I couldn't help but look at him as like a bit of a tragic figure. Yeah, so this is the one I would want to kind of dig in on. So is Victor Timely he who remains? Or no. is he who remains picked Victor Timely because he said this is a, the least worst option of my variants? See, so I don't, I don't think it's Victor Timely because... Okay, let's, let's get into the weeds. Let's work it out because my, my understanding is that like this is... This being his survival plan is to complete the loop of the sacred timeline or like his reincarnation that he talked about at the end of season one. And his survival plan is having Renslayer and Miss Minutes drop the book off at Victor Timely so that he can, you know, take those first steps forward of let me start discovering the TVA, which would be the starting point for the TVA. And then he will eventually become the last Kang. Well, I so I thought that initially too, but like so I rewatched the first season before I got into this season. And he who remains is pretty clear in the first season too. Like you have two options here. You kill me and take my place, or you join me and we'll rule the timeline together. That's the options that he he gives them they adamantly fight against it and so this whole season is trying to undo that and so loki thinks that like us he who remains is setting himself up so that he can be revived essentially or like have that loop complete and the whole point of it by the end of that last episode right was no like see i told you this there's only two options there's either you take my place and kill me or we do this together because i feel like he was trying to write himself an out which is why he put because the whole thing is a loop right there was nothing in the beginning of the sh- uh, this season the the loom was supposed to be the thing that they focus on to repair right and it's funny because it's funny the way that they explain it in the last episode with you can't divide something by zero because you can't divide infinity right like there's no way to stop infinity so in essence there's nothing that you can build that will ever be enough to siphon or organize infinity. You just can't. It's impossible. So Loki opts to break that cycle completely and instead puts himself on the chair. So he's the one now holding all the, all that stuff together. So I think it wasn't so much a way for him to revive himself, but more so like he plays that card so that Loki could follow the trail and it'll eventually he knew it would eventually lead back to that same conversation, which was, hey, I play all the call I play all the cards here. You either let me live or you take over. There's no other thing. And I think he genuinely wanted out of that gig. So right. 
that but that that's my thought like i feel like that's how i kind of understood it because no matter what loki tried to do it would always fail and it's it comes down to that sim- simple fact it's like yeah you can't control infinity so okay so victor timely was just a way to get back to that conversation it was never about getting him in charge yeah i i, I think that so and, and that, that's what that's why i kind of viewed him as a bit of a tragic figure because it looks like all the variants of Kang have this like potential to be grand, right? But like, yeah. in essence, not all of them will be able to because of the same effect of like he. Th- there's one version of you that's always going to come up superior. Mm, I like that. What do you think about the usage of Miss Minutes and Renslayer? I in, was confused. I was confused at the end with what happens to Renslayer. I was like, it, it's clear that Eliath is about to consume her. Yeah. Or, or, or a variant of Kang has come to collect her. I don't know. I think it was Elias. That's what I'm, uh, that's what I'm leaning towards as a better, like, ending. But I think that's reliant on one thing. And that's that we step away from Jonathan Major slash Kang for the future. Because, again, that whole controversy right now, no matter, you know, and again, not to get too political or outside of the veins of this, but you can't help but talk about it, especially because, like, I think Marvel committed the biggest sin here, which is you put you you know you counted all your eggs before they hatched, which was you announced all these projects, which they always do, but they do it by phase. They don't go and reveal the next two phases, which they did this time, which was a grave mistake because you never know. You can't hinge all your bets on one single actor. That's gonna yeah, it's gonna throw things away. Um, so regardless of whether he's, in, in my opinion, regardless of whether what the outcome of this uh, trial of his that comes up is going to be, which it looks like it's going to be February, I feel like there's no there's no possible way for you to continue with him. So either they get rid of Kang or they recast him, but I think Jonathan Majors is done with the MCU because no matter what public perception is, is what it is. Yeah, there's always going to be a stain on him of how we began this conversation of are we allowed to like him or not and if that's the opening line of oh what's that movie gonna be about oh it's that guy oh i don't think i want to go see it like yeah they i I wonder if they are going to do a recast or a total restructure of a new villain there's a and i don't want to get too off topic but i do want to touch on that just a little i don't know if you saw that variety article that came out that made like a bunch of like headwind and everybody was kind of talking about it um but there was a variety article that came out called uh the mcu's in shambles <clears throat> and so I, I read it and, and went through all of it and it essentially talks about like how disney had kind of forced kevin feige to announce all these projects he didn't want to um he wanted to kind of like he had his his outline but he didn't want to like count all his eggs yet uh, but Disney kind of forced it under the past leadership with Bob Chapek. Anyway, long story short, uh, they had contemplated shifting away from Jonathan Majors and instead introducing Dr. Doom as the big bad, which between you and me, I feel like it's a much... Dr. Doom is a much more recognizable villain than Kang is. And when, if we're talking about the comics, Dr. Doom is the ultimate guy. Like That is your ultimate bad guy in the comics. So it would make sense. That's the guy that stole Odin's powers in the comics. That's the guy that wrecks Galactus, even though he's this human, you know. So that would be sweet. They have a good, like, little pivot to that. But I don't know how things are going to go from here. 
Um, we can talk about the Variety article later, but there's a lot of stuff that came out that kind of kind of got verified from this other book that came out. Which, if it, you know, if all Keep these going, are man. true, it's crazy. That I, I don't going. know. If, you got, uh, you're the breaking news guy from news that was several weeks old. There's <laughs> there's stuff in there that I so like Blade, for example, with Mahershala Ali was supposed to come out this year and never it hasn't even shot yet, and Mahershala Ali Oscar winner was about to walk away because he did not like the script. And so what what the article says is that the script, still titled Blade, okay, was not going to be rated R, it was going to be PG-13, and it was going to focus on three female leads, and Blade was going to be a side character. And the plot of it was going to focus on social injustice against women in a movie titled Blade, starring Mahershala Ali, who's now taking a backseat. And so the reason why contradiction, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what, like, all right, well, if we're gonna go into like social, you know, social social issues here, you take an Oscar Oscar winning black actor, black male, in the starring role for a film, and then you immediately pull the rug out from under him, and now make it about three women. And again, still titling it Blade. You can do that, but like maybe don't title it Blade. Like give the guy his his film. Bladeettes, Bladeettes, yeah. But but apparently the script was like very very subpar. Mm. They couldn't get a handle of it. The directors kept switching in and out because of the because of that whole thing. It's, it was a jumbled mess. They wanted them to start shooting without the script being done. What? Yeah. So it was this whole thing, and so now they've course corrected, and so Blade is going to be rated R. The script has been is being rewritten, and uh, Mahershala is back in the fold with it same thing with daredevil apparently they had shot eight episodes they scrapped all of them because kevin feige came in and apparently daredevil doesn't become daredevil until episode six so he doesn't even put on the suit until episode six um it was taking a very she hulk uh tone now they've scrapped it they're reshooting he's brought back the netflix team and it's going to be a tv mature so it's going to be like Netflix-esque, um, which it looks like from the trailer to Echo, they're not shying away from. They do want to do TV Mature. Fantastic. But like it's all this stuff that I feel like they, they're starting to clean house a little bit and tighten things up a little bit. And again, it's not about, you know, like whether you want diversity or anything like that. Like, I think it's good and healthy to push out certain agendas and give them some weight. But like, you got to have quality storytelling to it otherwise yeah. it and just becomes a, a social issue is not enough thing to carry a movie right? yeah it's, yeah it's a combination of you know message and meaning mm-hmm. but also quality which has to have actors actresses and plot and dialogue all built into it you can't have one thing without the other like to make a, a truly great movie and i know we're talking about you know a superhero genre so temper your expectations but still you also have the the backing of disney and the money that comes with it so you should be able to accomplish this yeah and it's got to be like a like there, there's ways like speaking as a quote-unquote person of color myself right like i, I feel like representation how would you put that in quote? <laughs> i don't i have trouble with that designation sometimes i'm just like speaking as a mexican myself <laughs> 
<laughs> speaking as a Mexican myself, Dude, I you, think you handle the Mexican view. I got the Italian, Polish, I, the look, European views. <laughs> see, I got all the shades of brown. You got all the shades of white. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Technically, if you combine this together, it's like a light brown mix. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, no, but but speaking on that, I feel like most of the time when you're taking projects that are like ethnically diverse or making a push for it, you're right. Like most of the time, that's the selling point, and it's not. It shouldn't be because then the public perceives it that way. It becomes a very negative connotation, and for people that you're trying to like get to the theater, you get in there, and it becomes a whole pandering thing. Which, again, that's not representation. <laughs> it's just catering to to your market yeah one or two social it's, issues yeah yeah like i i don't know what the feedback is on barbie but it sounds a lot like what you're talking about where the people that want to go see it are supporting the you know feminism and and female empowerment and are going to go see it and yes they will get reaffirmed with that message but i don't know if you're really going to gather in the, the unwoke people of right oh i'll go sit two and a half hours in a in a movie about barbie and and be lectured about how I'm a, a terrible man or something like that like i don't know if these are the best ways to get people in and we'll probably end up talking about this more with the next segment of this episode because it does try and do similar messaging there um but before we move on though there's probably a few more things we should talk about on loki i to me personally i think the the best episode of this series and uh of pretty much all marvel projects so far is this finale this where he he you know masters time travel he has that conversation with kang and then he ultimately decides what his fate is going to be of I know what type of god I have to be, which is an exact callback to him trying to, you know, freeze or melt Jotunheim for Odin. And like, you know, again, it it just goes to that whole character arc transformation of this, you know, wanting to be evil and be good, young, young god to this very, you know, sensitive and you know visionary of a of an actor now yeah and the callback to the dialogue too at the end of thor one when he's gets dumped into that wormhole which i still don't understand how he ends up with thanos after that but okay don't worry, don't worry about that <laughs> um, but the whole callback of like telling odin that he was trying to do this for him for for all of them same exact dialogue he uses then with his friends as he looks back before he goes into that bridge and that's again part of the thing of like good stories like Spielberg and George Lucas have said in their uh, documentaries. It's it rhymes, you know, when you're telling a story because like that's your arc as a as a human as a character or whatever. And that, but that's an example of like good writing writers that probably went back, watched all these movies, combed through them, even however horrible some of them may have been. But to like recall back, you know, and tie pieces back in, and I think that's what makes this this episode so brilliant too. And can I just say, like, I love that him learning physics literally took centuries, and they didn't bother <laughs> to show us a single frame of that. And that's amazing because honestly, you don't need it. Right. You don't I, need I don't it. need to see him slowly getting better. That was the funniest transition they could have done. That also. It it wasn't like it was a time saver necessarily. Like, yeah, they could have added in five, ten minutes of it, 
but this episode length was still perfect with just a a quick cue card of a centuries go by and he he knows just enough right yeah and i think that that's what like they they have a solid balance here and i think that that's ultimately the the reason why all of this works so so fluid and so well right because they're they're tackling on some like pretty complex stuff if you think about it like time travel and all that can get really messy but they keep it so simple and the explanations are so simple and so you're able to follow through without issue um to touch on miss minutes real quick too because i feel like um there were characters like miss minutes and rensler that i feel like and this is a nitpick a little bit but I feel like they were kind of tossed aside either because the whole Jonathan Major situation, so they had to rewrite certain things, or I think they they didn't really have much of a role to play with anymore besides being a slight antagonist in the first couple episodes. Uh, but they prune her and get rid of her pretty quickly. <laughs> it was a bit anticlimactic, um, which, again, it surprised me that after that whole uh, section, I didn't really feel like I was longing to see a villain. I feel like it wasn't necessary at that point. The conflict was the big villain. Um, so I, I, I like those aspects of it. I like the fact that, you know, this really delved into all those past stories of Loki bringing us to this. And it felt like it. It felt like that was a complete story arc from the Loki we see way, back, way, way, way back in um, Thor. Thor one, which I don't think had a subtitle, uh, to 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 now, and yeah, it, it leaves me with a couple questions. And again, nitpicking a little bit, but my one big thing, my one big issue with the show, I loved where Loki ended up and all that. I loved this narratively. I just am a little confused that at no point did we get any sort of insider explanation that Loki was capable of being able to control all these things or being able like stepping into that thing that dissipated Victor timely and he's not affected how <laughs> I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk yeah. it up to the centuries of him tra- time traveling and all that but I'm just saying I feel like I wish we would have had a little bit of an explanation for for those yeah just something to give us the same confidence that he had stepping out there of I know what I have to do but tell us how and why like like or we know the why we just need to know the how like uh to get that same level of confidence that he had um but i I, the the thing with miss minutes i i think i'm okay with her being written out slowly or not having just a major role in this i think her and renslayer their usage of bringing victor timely to the future or past or whatever the timeline's kind of confusing in that way but their usage there is actually really brilliant because getting those audio recordings of he who remains first building the tva and then resetting the tva is just perfect because it's like you said it's that rhyme it's he's using the same people over and over to do out like the dirty work of setting up the tva or setting up his like grand vision. So yes, he is super powerful, but he's also just like, I have my, my King and queen pieces on the chessboard and I know how to play them. 
it also shows how crafty and dangerous he ends up being regardless yeah. like we, like it it makes kang more terrifying and again i'm so conflicted on like because i'm I, i'm hyped for kang i know from the comics he's a bit of a worthy adversary but so i, I there's part of me that wants it to continue and then there's another part of me that's kind of like i feel like because of the mess that they're in they might they need can, to let it go yeah. now if if let's say this is the end for the kang story are you satisfied with them writing giving themselves an out with this ending where like loki's now essentially the timekeeper yeah well i actually thought that's where they were going when there was one or two episodes left i was like as, as soon as it was the the ending where victor timely just shreds apart i i immediately thought oh there's no way to get back to a he who remains on this trajectory. So Loki is actually setting himself up to be he who remains. So I thought that's kind of where they were going with it. I'm okay if they if they don't write him back in. The thing that's going to be really confusing, or not confusing, but just like a, a little bit of a letdown is at the end of Ant-Man 3. And like the post credit scene there of showing us the Council of Kangs where there are literally millions in the stadium. I would have liked to see something come out of that. So if they could rewrite it and maybe just reshoot it with a different actor, <laughs> it sounds, yeah. you know, a little dirty, but if they're, you know, all in on this path forward, which I kind of like, I, I think that's the way that that's an acceptable way to go. I, I don't think we're necessarily so far deep where we have to say it's like, it's not like rewriting Robert Downey Jr. or Hemsworth or Chris Evans, like, yes, Jonathan Majors is very, you know, recognizable and a very powerful actor, but he's also only been in what, like, three projects in total. Yeah, he's an easier rewrite than than not. Um, and I do think that, like, because of the, like, even just looking at the Loki variants, right? The fact that you have Sylvie in there, you you can realistically bring in the new actor for Kang and just be like, oh, like this is a variant of him, so you can't expect all of them to look the same. Except right. Ant Man three's post credit kind of sets that precedent, but I feel like you can, you know, there's ways to play around with it. I mean, they, they did it with Don Cheadle, they've done it with, they've done it countless times in the MCU with different other characters. They just weren't as prominent as as this guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm okay with the ending, and I think it's a very powerful ending. It's the it's all the lessons he learned throughout this series too, of watching old ver old man version of Loki sacrifice himself so that Tom Hiddleston and and Sylvie could continue on. Like he he's just taking notes along the way, and and that's what's making his character arc so worth it because it wasn't like a I had these teachable moments and didn't learn anything from them. It's he's actually putting the whole puzzle together. Yeah, and I feel like the the I if we're like into the like prediction mode a little bit here, but if we are to continue with the Kang storyline and we recast, right? Because I feel like that's what's going to happen. Honestly, it could shift to Doom, and they could do it just because Fantastic Four is along the way. But like, I, I don't know. I feel I have a feeling that we're going to stick to this. It's just going to be a different actor. Um, they could easily. They've positioned themselves in a great spot here where you don't have to bring in other obscure characters like the Beyonder. Like, Loki could take the place of the Beyonder. He's the one that now amasses a team to to stop Kang or something. Like, that That could be the, the focal point, I think, here. And I think you put him up there 
I feel like Loki can now arguably the Watcher. What do you mean? Not the Beyonder. What's the Beyonder? Oh, the Beyonder in the in the secret um the Secret Wars story. The Beyonder is this dude similar to the Watcher that kind of gathers different the prime versions of different universes heroes. So like Prime Spider Man, Prime Captain America, all that. Puts them together in the stadium. Yeah. Basically forces them to fight each other so that only one universe remains. Dang. Which I think they're not going to go. Give with us that. that story, man. <laughs> yeah, give us that. Well, that's the multiversal war thing that was foretold yeah. in, in last season. So I, I think that's coming, but I feel like because it makes sense, right? Like we're playing with the Fox universe a little bit. We, we'll get into that in, in a little bit, but I feel like we know the TVA is going to be a very heavy bit of Deadpool 3, which is the next project coming up. So. I feel like they've set themselves up this way, which I think would be great. But then again, if they if they decide not to go that route, then they just written themselves a perfect out for settling the whole Kang thing. Because they referenced the Ant-Man um, Kang at the end uh, when B-15 is asking um, uh, Mobius about any Kang variant activities. And he's like, oh, it's just one from the 616 universe, but they took care of it. And he she had some... Oh, no, that's what that was. Yeah, so that, that that's, you know, they kind of kind of hint that yeah, the other they're, they're monitoring kang so they either way they have an out and then they also have a way to continue forward did they miss the coliseum of kangs <laughs> on their report <laughs> like yeah maybe we want to go take a look over there yeah we might want to look at egyptian kang and <laughs> weird semi-nude kang <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right any uh any last thoughts on loki before we hit marvels uh no i like i said i feel like they they have a good gateway to either choice that they make it's going to be interesting to see what happens from here on out i don't think we've seen the end of loki himself as a character i'm sure he'll come up but if this is the end of the show i'm perfectly satisfied with the way that we've left things um i would love to see some of the side characters in some capacity in other projects at some point but yeah i like i like the show i think it's been real solid and it because of this season, I feel like Loki is at the top for me in terms of the Z Plus stuff that Marvel has turned out. Absolutely. All right, let's talk. Let's talk to Marvels. We can make this real quick. I think since they made the movie pretty quick. <laughs> that flew by. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was an hour forty-five film. It's quick in multiple fashions, right? Like it's only an hour forty-five, and I think there were issues with the filming editing and cutting where they were kind of in a rush to just get something on screen yeah it felt that way i so just to kind of sum up my thoughts i thought honestly it was a very fun experience with little to no substance (laughs) and uh i don't think it's um you know for me there's a couple things that i that stand out as really really good and that's the chemistry between the three actresses i thought was great anytime the three of them are on screen together and they have their little banter back and forth amazing to me aman balani miss marvel saves this film for me her family saves this film for me i thought that works you know that all that what doesn't work for me is the rest this is probably the worst use of an mcu villain i don't even remember her name which is terrible because I, I just saw this a few days ago. Darben. <laughs> is that what it is? Great. <laughs> I had to look it up. I'm not gonna pretend like I knew. <laughs> Darben there done that. That's what, what Darben done over. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was a jumbled mess. 
Uh, there's stuff that I thought was great, but maybe a little bit cringy for some people. I I enjoyed the singing dance planet. I thought it was a cute little twist on something that could have been a bit too cringy. I thought it was great. So I know some people are definitely not going to like it. Um, but that being said, I really wish a lot of this money would have gone to a Miss Marvel season two instead of a whatever this ended up being, you know? Yeah, I think it, uh, I agree cute movie it's just nothing spectacular about this it's very bottom 10 of the we have 33 projects now it's in the bottom 10 close to bottom five for me it's just so all right we're entering we're closing in on december it's hallmark movie season i am big on those right now the reason why those work as just average baseline movies is because they have a formula of this is when we pick up on the story this is when we introduce the problem this is when we introduce the solution and this is when we have the like big climax ending it kind of felt like like this is a a formula of a superhero movie of here are your heroes introduce introduce here's your villain introduced here's how they know each other here's the the f- big fight sequence you'll get they'll they'll win slash lose then they will fight again. Like it was just such a formula where there was nothing that entertaining about it. And I, I agree. I think the Miss Marvel characters, the her and her family are the ones who carry this whole show or this whole movie. And if you haven't watched their show yet, definitely go watch it because it's more of this, which I, I am saying is a compliment. I and that and that's the thing. Like I feel like, and we were we were talking about diversity and the push for all that, right? But you're you're right. She holds up this movie, but there's not much to hold up, and that's the point. That's the issue, right? Like, I think that they did the service with the with the show also by making it star alongside the same time as Obi Wan. Like, of course, it's the least watched Marvel show because you didn't give it the leg up it needed. And I, I don't know. Like to me, it this is what infuriates me a little bit on some of these projects which every time they're like hey we're making a big push for you know whatever protected group you want to put in like put in the work flesh it out make it a good experience don't just make it like oh look what we did here look at the social change that we're pushing for and come support us just for that it's more than representation it's it's yeah. how you it's how you represent somebody on screen and to i don't know Brie Larson got into amazing shape, but you don't have to put her into this crop top, like skin tight shirt and just have her in that same uniform for almost all of her scenes. Like she yeah. can, she can be a, a person, have a, have thoughts, have like opinions. She's supposed to be the strongest Avenger uh, ever. And I don't know. She seems pretty you know weak and un- like lacking confidence, which is also a yeah. great plot line you could have dug into of, She's so powerful, but she's also, you know, feeling these these feelings of guilt and and shame for what she's done in the past. Like that wasn't fleshed out at all. Like the Annihilator. All right, I guess we're calling her that now. Like, where did that come from? I, the the biggest problem I had with this, and I knew this was going to be a very average or bad movie immediately, was that they spent the first five ten minutes on who are these characters. How do they get into the multi or how do they get into this universe? Where have they been? Like that's so much time of a very short movie spent on backstory. And it just is because they believe they being the directors and the studio that nobody watched Miss Marvel 
who's in the audience or that nobody watched WandaVision or nobody remembers what the last Captain Marvel or, or Captain Marvel was about. Like we spent way too long on all three characters of who are they, where have they been. You're right. And it's also because of that same, it was like Miss Marvel was the least watched MCU show. And again, that was Which, a marketing issue. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I'm not going to say it's fine because it actually is a good show to go watch. So anyone who hasn't should watch it, but it's fine. If you don't know all these characters do a very quick, like here are my powers type of thing. But every other successful Marvel movie picks up at a starting point that says this is where a villain is introduced or this is where where our heroes are right now today let's follow their story it's not yeah 10 minutes of who am i going to talk to you about today and then once you finally catch us up then start picking up because now it's like I, I i've wasted so much time on that and the exposition is what kind of yeah you're right the exposition is what kills the pacing here and and also like the annihilator stuff that those brief cutaways when you see her going in and destroying the supreme intelligence like that to me was amazing and i wish that we had more of that we explained it because that could have been to me the the way that you sympathize with the villain a lot more because you see her you see captain marvel as a villainous figure there and like the means and the justification for her actions of the villain like they were spot on, but again, there's nothing else that they dig into, and that I feel yeah. like I don't know why that happened here. Because narratively speaking, like if we're talking about a story, the first Captain Marvel was better written than this, but this was a lot more fun, and I feel like it, again, it's a disservice for like what you're trying to push here. Miss uh, Captain Marvel in the in the original movie had a arc, had a projection, had a story. And he or she feels more like a side character. They all kind of do, which, again, maybe because of its, its ensemble thing, but it really shouldn't be. Focus on one character, flesh them out as much as you can, and give enough for the backstory for the other two to kind of prop them up, too. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know where the ball was dropped here. Um, again, it's very fun. I feel like it's definitely an enjoyable streaming watch or a matinee, but it, like, it's just... It yeah, feels I, like a sigh that we've been talking about for a while with the Marvel quality stuff. And I, and I hope they turn things around. And it sounds like they are from the Variety article that I talked about earlier. But I hope it's not too late, you know, for, for people to... Because I know people are going to watch this movie. And a lot of things are going to pop up into the question. Like, one of them, like, why isn't this performing as well as Captain Marvel? That I feel like that movie had the benefit of being sandwiched between two of the best Avengers films of all time, and the hype was was super real back yeah. then. Yeah, I I agree. I think the obvious follow up steps from Captain Marvel were her closing statements to Jude Law of "Tell the Supreme Intelligence I'm coming for them." Where, like, give me that story. Don't give me that in a flashback because you're exactly right. That's what that's the fuel that builds a, a enemy. You can't just give us a flashback and then go oh the audience will pick up on how everyone else felt about that like so much happened to this Cree villain that once the supreme intelligence died their government was destabilized their planet started decaying right following a their sun collapsing like so much crap had gone wrong for the them that they should have been a very emotional like i understand what what they're doing here they're just fighting to save their planet like instead it's just a uh 
she's you know i am a i think she's just a bad person so like let's beat her like it's very it wasn't there there was no connections to to the villain hardly any connections to the heroes and that's why it was like i don't know it's almost like a manifest destiny here of we we don't expect a lot from this franchise yeah so so it fulfills itself in that way and can i also say like the nick fury that we see literally the last project with secret invasion where is he because (laughs) um the nick fury we see here might as well not even been here like yeah throw away role and again makes me (laughs) makes me really feel like the plot to secret invasion should have been at least half the plot of this movie and yeah. continue from that from there on right i think the first captain marvel movie had a lot to say about refugees and and the refugee situation in the world like obviously right the connection between the scrolls and all that this movie because of the whole supreme intelligence stuff could have been a perfect allegory for interventionism like across other countries and causing destabilization stuff if you want to go that route i feel like it, it was right there you could have yeah. you could have chomped at the bit it would have made a strong story um but I just yeah don't know where the budget went because it didn't go to the story and i'll be honest a lot of the graphics weren't amazing <laughs> like i'm picturing like monica in her spacesuit um when ms marvel takes over and like or they swap like it looked bad like it looked like they were on guide wires like outside in inside of a green screen studio like it looked like how it was shot again back to the article <laughs> Because of the whole, and and this was interesting because it provides like reason for a lot of the stuff that we've been seeing, right? But the book that came out, I think it's called Reign of the MCU, and then the article that came out are almost around the same time. It's the fact that leadership at Disney was more concerned with getting material out there, overworking CGI staff that you you can tell, you can tell where it came from. And and the ones that weren't affected, like Shang-Chi, they were in development before all of this started happening so you can see that if i'm if i'm watching shang chi i don't see the same issues it's perfect if, if i'm watching no way home which was handled by sony the post stuff i don't see any issues yeah but the other stuff uh, along with some of the disney plus stuff some of it looks great some of it like she hulk it's hard to get through it because the visuals are so jarring and again that kind of like you're, you're shooting yourselves in the foot because of the amount of um projects that they have these folks working on and now they're having a whole issue of them unionizing so i'm sure that's going to cause like delays and other stuff for projects but yeah it's just it's a loaded problem and i feel like this movie has suffered from the mismanagement of the brand and that's kind of what it is and and i hope that people i know they're not but my hope would be that people would understand that my issue is that the trolls on the internet are going to look at this and be like, see, this is why we shouldn't have female-led characters. This is why we shouldn't have racially diverse characters instead of the actual issues that that pertain to it. And I know, like, people have very short attention spans on these things, so they'll see one thing that they agree with and just roll with the rest of it. And that's that's what terrifies me from the learnings. And I hope Disney doesn't do it, but being a corporation... I can easily see them saying like, "Oh well, we gave it a shot." Like, no, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you he literally threw stuff at the wall and and was trying to see what what was gonna stick. And 
that's not a game to play with with a brand that's this beloved by so many people. Yeah, I it's it's really upsetting because I would have hoped that they that they being the studio would have seen the fans' reactions to the female movement in um, Endgame, where it was just let's throw every female character we have on the screen, and that's what we'll call representation. Like just having multiple women on screen doesn't mean that you're pushing equality it's just it came across as cringe and i I would have hoped that they learned a lesson there that it's not just like throwing more people at it as opposed to you know writing a good script for female leads to let that movie actually succeed and giving them the cgi budget that you would give to spider-man or somebody else like it's unfortunate that they didn't learn a lesson from that and i you know I would see a third Captain Marvel if they take the approach of like Ragnarok, where you kind of just get a, a fresh director in there who cares and let them like re- reinvent the character uh, in, in yeah. some way that, you know, lets their acting abilities shine. Because Brie Larson's not a bad actress. She's just been given crap to work with. That <laughs> Like, how are you supposed to make that look good? And see, here's the sad part about all this stuff that the again the variety article gets into. The original plan before the pandemic, before everything kind of hit the wall, the original plan was to phase out after Endgame. Captain Marvel was supposed to be the substitution for Thor. While Thor doesn't get axed, he just kind of gets put to the side for a bit. Um, Captain America's replacement would have been T'Challa Black Panther, which we know why that didn't end up happening and the heart of the mcu which was supposed to be iron man right back in phase one would have been tom holland spider-man and that was the direction that they wanted to go in because of a number of different issues starting with uh chadwick Boseman's untimely passing and then the issue with contract disputes with sony spider-man being taken off the table temporarily they shifted gears to the mess that phase four was which I can kind of see why that ended up happening. But without the context of that as a viewer, you're just sitting there and being like, well, this feels so rushed and like not organized at all. And it's exactly what it was because that's what happened. No, um, no offense, but they they need to be able to pivot and say, but we still have a deep bench. Like we could have used Benedict Cumberbatch as a lead. We could have given more. Or we could have given a better plot and, and movie to Captain Marvel you had other players like uh, Sam Wilson, like uh, the new Captain America. Where has he been in any of these movies? He had a great show. Give him, Shang-Chi. <laughs> give him some time. Give Shang-Chi some time. Like you have a deep bench that you know people are connected to in some way because of them as the actor or because of them as the character. Pivot to that. I understand there's a contract disputes and i understand that like it's very unfortunate with chadwick passing but like you can't just say like ah that was our only plan let's just put some let's just get some stuff out there now and then we'll figure it out later like yeah figure it out first and then write and film well you're right and i think that part of the part of the issue too is like there there were some easy pivots that could have been done and again like not to harp on it but like i think one of the biggest mistakes they did was not recasting Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. And that's because 
the T'Challa character and we're, we're, you know from the movie franchise was built up for exactly what they were trying to do. And so why not continue it? And secondly, again, if we're talking about like diversity and all that, you had one of the most important you know things in, in like getting a black led movie to a billion dollars. Why not continue that with a black male lead just because there's so much less of that in the yeah. market and you already established good faith, you have a good thing going. But I feel like that might have been a mistake for for them. Um, yeah. The other thing, like the Spider-Man stuff, you're right. That's out of their control. They could, but they could have easily pivoted to Doctor Strange. They could have easily pivoted to Captain America. Anybody, um, but they didn't. I think that that's that also shows the fragility of this whole thing too, right? Like I think there's an over reliance on Kevin Feige to to manage the ship. But I also got to figure it's got to be a tough job for his for his stuff, right? Like. We know what it's like to work for a corporation where decisions are just kind of handed to you, especially when they don't value what you're trying yeah. to bring to the table. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, I still have faith that they can turn stuff around. And I think because of some of the stuff that we've started to kind of see, especially with like this season of Loki, um, with the, the trailer to the Echo Show, I don't know if you've seen it, but it rings of Netflix um, Daredevil vibes. Yeah. I'm curious to see what it's going to be like. Um, and again, the, the, the fact that we're bringing back the Netflix team for Daredevil, the fact that we're stopping projects to course correct and we're canceling other projects that have kind of been sitting on the sidelines for a while. I have some faith that they're taking these learnings. It's just that this is kind of like steering a big ship too, right? Like you're steering, but you're going to take a while to see the effects of it as consumers. And again, I don't, I don't know if people have the patience for that or not. And I, I, I don't think they do. I don't. <laughs> Being honest, I'm I'm getting older, and it's weirder that I keep going to these movies <laughs> a year. <laughs> uh, no, but the, I think you're right. Where, you know, even if Feige has every answer, he still answers to somebody above him, and it's a problem for the fans when the people at the very top are driven by dollars. Their decisions are driven by dollars. Where, what can make us the most money? or make us the fastest money. And I think in this case with the Marvels, it was the fastest money. They knew like, let's get it out where in a time where we don't have a lot of different Marvel movie or projects coming out, there's not a lot of other you know holiday movie blockbusters. So let's just get it out on screen. We'll make our, we'll, we'll dominate the box office for a couple weeks. We'll make some money. And it like, I, I think they're okay. Like if it doesn't, if it's not a home run, which is, that's where it suffers for the fans. Yeah, and it just sucks because I feel like then it stops the focus on certain characters and certain things. Like we had the whole, I think we talked about this before, but Ike, Ike Perlmutter, I think the one of the guys that used to head um, Marvel Entertainment for, for decades, he was Kevin Feige's boss until the Disney purchase, until Disney purchased Marvel. So this is after Avengers 2, I think. Uh, but anyway, the um, the guy was adamantly against doing movies over a certain budget level. He was adamantly against doing a lot of things. Like he vetoed and blocked Black Panther from getting developed for the longest time because he thought that, um, and this is according to according to insiders and over at the Variety article, he had the thinking that a uh, black audience doesn't pay money to go see movies, which radical what? view yeah <laughs> radical view 
Um, but this is the type of stuff that, again, like like you mentioned, people have bosses that have certain opinions and they see numbers. They don't often do not often do you see corporations take a risk. And I think that when they do, you know, they're open to like some of the bigger profits that they can make. It's just that they, they then get blinded by that number and think like, oh, they take the wrong learnings from things. It's like, oh, we made this. We made Black Panther. Let's push. Let's put something for the Asian market. Let's put something for the Latino market. And instead of looking at like, oh, look at the effort that we made into Black Panther, they're just like, oh, it's because of this one element. And they push it and they think that that's all the work that they need to put in. And it's not it. But it, it like this franchise works when the people behind it are passionate about what they're doing and it's not just a job for them, you know? So again, I, I think I'm confident that they'll course correct. I just hope it happens in the way it, that it's a good farm. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly a change in some leadership somewhere along the line. But it also comes down to like you gotta hire the right directors too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know this director who did Marvels, but she probably was facing you know a number of struggles because she's got a good history of other movies she's worked on so i it's just sometimes it doesn't work out it's also scale too i feel like um like with with eternals right Uh, one of the things i said about that movie is like it's the most beautiful useless film i've ever seen and 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 like it was really it was one of the most beautiful films i've ever seen for marvel like visually yeah you could tell like the team was really dedicated to the visuals I just wish the storytellers were just as dedicated to it, you know, because then we would have had, we would have had an amazing film. Yeah. But we didn't. And you're, you're right. They got to like, they really got to be careful about who they choose. Um, and just making sure that they at least care about the story that they have coming on. It can't be transactional because it shows nowadays. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up. We probably should just real quick before we do get out of here is talk about the post credit scene for the Marvels. Um, with Monica Rambo getting sucked through the wormhole portal to another multiverse and then being woken up in the hospital by who she thinks is her mom, but is just herself or her variant? Uh, so she's wearing the binary costume, which is a variant of no, it's it's some it's a form that Carol Danvers had back in the back in the days. I'm talking like the 90s, maybe. So it was a version of Captain Marvel from a while ago, but they're restructuring it here so that it's uh, uh, Lashana, Lashana Lynch uh, who plays the um, Maria, right? Maria Rambo. So she's binary in this universe, which I assume is the Fox universe because we get an all CGI Kelsey Grammer as Beast, who we haven't seen since uh, Last Stand, right? No, he was in all the like the newer ones no that was nicholas holt oh sorry i was just doing the character yeah i don't <laughs> once they're blue i don't know yeah <laughs> one of the <laughs> but yeah no so this is the first time we've seen the x-men in an mcu project yeah although technically it's the alternate universe of it oh well we also got in doctor strange we had Patrick oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We got yeah. forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> Great movie there. No, uh, <laughs> for the fans, we were talking about was Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness good or bad before we started recording? 
I think it was uh, like, was it as good as, was it good or worse than the, no, was it better or worse than Love and Thunder? The Marvels, yeah. I have it right around there, right? I have it just below the both Marvel movies, but regardless, anyway, that's another episode. But uh, what what do you think this, uh, are there major repercussions that we can get from this? Is this going to be one of those slow moving turns that we'll see in three years from now? Um, Or is this just like a fun thing for the fans? Uh, (laughs) I think it's just a fun thing. No, I so I think they're gonna do something. It's just I don't I don't I don't know because here's the thing: we're definitely gonna see the Fox universe come into play because Deadpool three is literally the next project, and it seems like we're not gonna be waiting too long. It's July of next year, um, which seems far away, but it's really not. We're like what six seven months away from that, more or less. No, we're more than that, Eight. but like it's it's gonna fly. <laughs> um, I'll be. I th- I think um, I think at the end, like for for me, I feel like this is they're definitely gonna like pick this up in Deadpool. Uh, only because of what we know. We know the TVA is involved in it. We know the Fox universe is involved in it. Hugh Jackman's back as Wolverine. All those things have been kind of teased. We there's been a whole bunch of the cast that apparently has come out and been like, oh yeah, I'm actually a part of Deadpool three, like the original Jean Grey, the original Cyclops. So I'm sure we're gonna get a follow up. Um, how much of it, and is this gonna play into Secret Wars? I feel like that's more of the thing to to kind of keep an eye on. I think Deadpool three is gonna tie into one of these Avengers films. Does it mean anything, or what? Like. To be honest, I feel like the way that they're treating the X-Men right now with all this stuff is I'm sure some of the Fox X-Men are going to stick around in the MCU somehow. I don't know. It's tough. Like, I've always said this here, but like the X-Men are your A-listers, and I feel like it's been long enough that you have them on the sidelines. Like, use them, whether it's a new actor or... But that's it. I think it has to be a new actor. I think you have to... You're exploring yeah. entering in a new multiverse... Give us a new version of them. It's great fan credit to be like Hugh Jackman's back, Jean Grey's back, everyone's back. Like we don't need the original cast. We don't need the Days of Future Past era cast. We just start a new one, and then that's going to be your your fresh blood that you have for, you know, however long you want to ride this train. But I agree. I think the actual heroes are a listers. Get them on screen soon. But also, you know, freshen it up where you, you don't have to rely on Hugh Jackman bringing fans back to the theaters. Like, people are already going to go to Deadpool because they love Ryan Reynolds. Like, you, it's it's great fan service, but it's not something that has to be what carries it forward. I think Ryan Reynolds has said that he wanted Deadpool 3 to be the last hurrah for the Fox X-Men universe. And since we're playing multiverse right now, I think great that that works just fine. I will agree with you that I think that we need new actors for most, if not all, of these. Like, I'll be real with you. If Kelsey Grammer sticks around as Beast in the MCU, I'm fine with it as long as it's CGI Beast and Kelsey Grammer for the, for him is just a voice just gig. Voicing it, yeah. That's and fine. It's, it's great that Ryan Reynolds says that, but he's not the boss. <laughs> like, it's not going to yeah. be his decision. When they see how much money Deadpool 3 makes, they're going to say, oh, man, bring back the, the classic actors. Well, I yes, but I also feel like if the X Men are a franchise, and I think they recognize that, 
Um, so I don't. Th- I think some of them might stick around. Sure. I think Kelsey Grammer might stick around. I think, but I think Deadpool three is very much going to be a testing ground to see because I don't think you're going to bring back James Marsden and be like, you know what, this is our MCU Cyclops also moving forward. He's too old to sustain a franchise. They're going to get somebody in their mid to late twenties. Same thing that they did for Avengers because I feel like if you want to set them on solid ground, like solid footing, the X Men are your best bet. Because not only from a comics perspective, they're consistently they consistently sell. In the '90s, the face of Marvel was Spider-Man, the X-Men, Ghost Rider, uh, Blade, Daredevil. All these characters that are they just realized, hey, we should probably push these guys forward. Yeah. Which the rest of us have been like a big duh this whole time. And the Fantastic Four too, which apparently are, are we're gonna get the council announcement sometime this week, so. All right. Well, this is one of our longer episodes, but also one of our... Wait, one oh, thing. More one thing. I'm already closing. No, no, no. One thing. I can't let this go. <laughs> yeah, go um, ahead. The, the end scene, not the end credit scene, but the end scene to this was uh, Kamala recruiting Kate Bishop to some sort of Young team. Avengers, yeah, yeah. Young Avengers. <laughs> All women. All women-led Young Avengers. All That's what it seems, right? Like, we're Ant-Man's daughter's reference there, too, so that's three yeah. for now. Um, we I'm sure there's others. I just can't remember who else was interested. Those were the only ones they mentioned in the movie. Yeah, but that took how how long did this take to get to this point? And I've been talking about this for the last <laughs> as long as we posted this podcast. Yeah, that that was in our first episodes. We did <laughs> we did Mandalorian, and then you went into Young Avengers and X Men. That's <laughs> one off my list. X Men's off my list there. <laughs> Still waiting Finally. for Mephisto. The waiting on that Mephisto. I heard that was like never. Did you send me that article, or I think it was Dr. Ben sent it to me? Of Mephisto was never even thought of by the writers of WandaVision. Yeah, and then you look at the Variety article and it's the opposite. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it, this, this you're right. Uh, I did forget about that scene, um, setting up the potential for Young Avengers. But that seems like such a slow burn that <laughs> it'll be years before. If the only progress they make is one second of a movie every other year, it's like that's never gonna add this to the list of scenes that we've yet to see any follow up on. The Hercules scene from Thor, the um, witch scene from Doctor Strange. There's a whole bunch of the Shang Chi scene, (laughs) the Ten Rings thing, the the Uh, rings sending a beacon out. Yeah, like. Who knows? <laughs> right. Yeah, but it, uh, I, it's something to get excited about, but probably, you know, temper some, those expectations. Yeah, no, I, I don't expect anything until 2025 to start solidifying a little bit more, which is that's depressing. crazy. That's crazy. That's Maybe it's bad. We're getting, we're getting old, Emmett. No, that's as bad as DC to be like, here's our nine year plan. Like, don't. Get us excited about stuff that far out. Get us excited about the next project. And yeah. really, like, that's where your marketing should go. And yeah. you can say, like, this is going to be a puzzle piece of a much larger, uh, you know, plan that we have. Yeah. But stay tuned. Like, don't give out the whole roadmap because then if something comes up where one road's shut down, you got to change the entire course. But we've already had our hearts set yeah. on it. You never know which actor is gonna assault somebody assault else, or molest, or do something wrong. And take your pick. 
<laughs> and on that cheerful note, I think we get out of here. We get, get out of the booth and don't wait six mo- weeks before we do another. Yeah, yeah, I'm all this. We gotta get another one on the books soon. <laughs> so if if a fan's out there has made it the full ninety minutes, we greatly appreciate it. Yes, greatly appreciate you. you coming back, downloading, telling all your friends about us. Sign up for our Patreon. That's not smash active. that subscribe button. <laughs> Rate us in the in the podcast app wherever you download your podcast. Yeah, yeah. hit follow us on Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get out of here, man. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening.